Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome to a new episode of TV Gold. This week we're going to be looking at Fargo on SBS, The Crown on Netflix, A Murder at the End of the World on Disney Plus, and Signora Volpe on UK TV. But first, Andrew Mercado, it's nearly Christmas. Let's start with Stan and their latest Christmas offering. What is it? You know, I love it that Stan are releasing Christmas movies set in Australia because this is something that we historically have never done. We've always been in a non-ratings period over summer, so none of our regular series, most of our series sort of have finished at the end of November. They might have a Christmas episode, but we certainly don't have that thing they have in the UK where they it's their biggest night of the year and they, they have these special Christmas Day episodes. So I love it that Stan is getting out out there and this I think is their third Christmas movie because their first one was a sunburnt Christmas in 2020 directed by Christian Van Vuren which was fantastic cinematography by Dylan River then they did Christmas on the farm in 2021 which is a hoodlum entertainment production and now we've got Jones Family Christmas and this is Look, it's cheesy, all right? I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that it isn't cheesy, but it's cast really well, and I buy the relationships in it. I buy Heather Mitchell as a mother obsessed that her family is coming back from Christmas, and I think she gets really, really good support in this from Max McKenna uh, as her daughter and Ella Scott Lynch as the other daughter coming home from UK. Gee, those two were just in While the Men Are Away together on SBS, so it's great to see them doing lots of work. There's also a brother in there, Nicholas Denton. Uh, and what I loved about this film is that uh, there's a bushfire coming, so they all go off to evacuate. And when they get to the place to evacuate, it's full of all these nutty townsfolk played by great character actors like Fiona Choi and Bev Killick and Tanya Hennessy and Marg Downey, and they're sitting in there playing trivia and uh, doing their book club, and I just thought it was lovely. And you know what? Christmas movies are inherently cheesy. What I want to ask you, though, James, is who decided that we have to release Christmas movies in November? Like, I mean, we're not even in December. Like, I'm fine if December goes Christmassy, I'm fine. But it feels to me like when you finish Halloween on October 31st, the stores take out their Halloween decorations on the 1st of November and go full-scale Christmas for two months. And uh, it's interesting when you look at the midday movies on 7 and 9 next year, they've both decided we both go Christmas, November. They're both doing competing Christmas movies against each other at midday. And I just don't understand who decided that Christmas starts in November rather than December. That's a good thing. For me, Christmas is, I like Christmas is the best month of the year for me. And it should be a month, not a week, not 10 days, yeah. not a fortnight. Let's celebrate. Let's do it properly. So that means November 25. And if you want to Grimp a few days earlier too. Go right ahead. Yeah, the, just, the, the decorations are up. I was driving yeah. home last night and going, whoa, what happened? All of a sudden, Christmas decorations are up in every suburban street. Yeah, well, the tree's up in uh, Martin Place. Yeah, in, right. In, in Sydney. So I just think it's fantastic. And just on this, now we talked, I think, last year, that for me the Stan Christmas movies have been too quirky. 
Right. They were just a bit, mm, I'm not getting the Christmas vibe off this. It's a really weird storyline. Is this one, it sounds a little bit straighter. This one is, yeah. This one's more just about a family. And, yeah, there's a there's a situation in there. And, of course, everyone comes. A bit comes, of cheese, a bit of corn. Yeah, everyone's got to have an issue at Christmas, right? They've oh, yeah. got to have a secret. It's mm. got to come out. But, you know, when you've got Heather Mitchell playing the mother, how can you go wrong, really? And I re- the, the thing is that I really buy the relationship between her and Alex Jones. And there's just this lovely moment where you know Max McKenna, who's playing Alex, the daughter, is has locked herself in the toilet, and her sister arrives from the UK, played by Ella Scott Lynch. She comes and knocks on the toilet door, and the sister just breaks into a huge smile. But they do this kind of game where they pretend they're not keen to see each other. But when they open the door, it's so obvious that they're thrilled to see each other again. And I just really, really bought the relationships in this family. Plus, I mean, you've mentioned Heather Mitchell half a dozen times. You, you buy into it probably anything she does. Yeah. And also Mark Downey. Yes. I mean, you're going to watch anything. I mean, if they're both in it, tick, tick, right? Pretty much, yeah. And for me also, Genevieve Morris is in this. Yeah. She's, now, she's good too in anything she does. She was in Scrub. Yes, she was. And she's playing this sort of, I'm, I haven't seen the last maybe 15 minutes of the film. And clearly there's more to come with Genevieve Morris's character okay. because she's on the outer and you don't understand why. But you keep seeing um, the characters, one character in particular, the character played by Alice Scott Lynch, keeps looking as if what's going on there. So clearly it's going to be resolved. So there's going to be a bit more for Genevieve to do. Okay. Fantastic. Well, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to watching that. I haven't had time to watch it yet. So it's on Stan yep. and it's Jones Family Christmas. Yeah. And just again, well done to Stan for doing lots of stories about how we celebrate Christmas in Australia, because it is very different to the rest of the world without snow and all of that. We have fires instead because it's the middle of summer. Sure. Sure. Okay. Let's move on to what's perhaps been the biggest talking point of the, um, of the TV month or probably TV couple of months. The Crown season six. The last season of The Crown, the first four episodes have been released. Gee, it's had some negative feedback. Has it ever? And I'm getting a vibe. Is, is this like the end of Game of Thrones when the audience turned and they just thought, oh, no, look, you've taken too many liberties here. You've, you've pushed the envelope too far. We've been on board this far, but now this is really too much. Well, this has always been the problem with The Crown. When The Crown started and was set in the 1950s, most people can't remember all of the little intricacies of the 1950s. And there was less media coverage there. And it was all very, you know, prearranged through newsreels and all that. Sure. So I think the, the Crown was able to take historical liberties in those early days. But the closer and closer it gets to what we've all lived through, then we all have an opinion on, oh, no, that's not what happened. Oh, no. No, that wouldn't have happened. Oh, no, you're taking it too far now. So, of course, now you get to this this moment that we all know because we all remember where we were when it happened, when, you know, Diana is about to go into the tunnel in Paris and, and die in that car crash. And so, of course, we all think we have a version of what's happened. And along comes the crown with... And, of course, they're out there, I suppose, going, oh, no, we want to give you a different version of this and, and, and invent these scenarios. And 
I very much felt when I was watching it, every now and then I was thinking to myself, oh, did that really happen? Would they really have said that there? It did. It does feel to me like they were making, um, I guess I had a, in some ways they were trying to fill in some gaps on Dodie Fayed and his family and give him a story. But, wow, they made him, the father, out to just be an absolute monster, you know, basically trapping Diane. But I thought he... I thought they painted him as a bit of a sympathetic character. I felt almost a bit sorry for him. Did you know? I thought he came across as really manipulative and but he, he only wanted, wanted the best for his son. And no, he didn't want the best for his son. He didn't like his son at all in this. He, oh, he wanted well, it, a, a until ticket. Until he lost him and then he realised. A oh. ticket to British establishment. He was. Well, yes. He, this makes out that he is nakedly setting up this romance. He couldn't care less whether, whether or not those two are actually in love with each other. He wants Diana because she's power and he sees a way to get a foot into the British establishment. And and I thought it was a very negative portrayal of him. I guess so, but I did feel for him, though, at the end of that episode when he's alone in his office and he's he's realising, and, and that we've got to talk about the ghosts. Oh. The, um, um, the, I, again, I'm torn on this, you know, it, it's just weird having having people turn up from the dead, right? And yeah. The conversations. Then again, I guess when anybody loses somebody close, you do imagine, you know, that last conversation you might have had or yeah. things you would have liked to say to them. Yeah. Which is sort of in a way is, is, is nice to see it, but then it's just weird, though, to see it visualised in the movie. Yeah, it throws people off. Um, and, yeah, having said that, the thing that really made it fantastic for me was the performance of Elizabeth Debicki as yeah. Diana. Yeah. She was, she was Diana. I think it's the best portrayal of Diana we've ever seen on film. Like I was almost starting to think this actually is Diana. Like I, I couldn't tell that it was an actress playing her. Whereas I watch Imelda Staunton playing the Queen and I think that's Imelda Staunton playing the Queen. Look, it didn't take you long to get stuck into poor Imelda Staunton. <laughs> We've fallen out over this before. I enjoy, I'm not particularly enjoyed her work in this season. I thought she was perfect sitting up there in Scotland, yeah, aloof, you know, not in, not realizing what the um the her her um, what do you call it her subjects yeah were um going through, you know, yeah, um, whether it was partly media manufactured or whatever, but you know I thought that came across really well, and then she changed the the um tried to change the narrative and, and get back in touch with the subjects and you know told um uh the duke you know the duke was almost a bit assertive at the start wasn't he and then she put him in his place yeah said no we're going to london and he's just you know, oh well okay you know yeah um i thought that would that really worked for me that her and that relationship i love jonathan price too as um, yeah as prince philip well, those scenes have to be strong because this is territory that Peter Morgan, the creator of this show, has already covered in the movie The Crown. Sure. You know, when, when I finished watching it, The Queen, I mean, I almost wanted to watch The Queen with Helen Mirren again mm. to kind of, as a comparison, to go, didn't you just say in The Queen that, they, that she did something completely different there? Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, you're right. The uh, critical, critical reaction to this has been savage. I mean, to see okay. The Guardian, well, to see Lucy Mangan give it one. <laughs> One out of five <laughs> stars that just shred it. Wow. Really? I didn't think it was that bad. You know, I mean, I watched all four hours of it in one night. Mm. I just 
completely sat down and just inhaled it. I enjoy there's been a few features in newspapers, particularly the British papers, about fact versus fiction. So yeah. I love all that stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I appreciate some of the commentary as saying, look, why can't you just appreciate it as a work of drama? Yeah. Okay, well, it's it's loosely based on fact, but they've they've filled it out because obviously they have to recreate conversations and things like that, which people who weren't in the room have no idea what really Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the two sides, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, rest of the cast, Leslie Manville, we both love her work. Yes. I think she's great as our uh, Princess Margaret. Dominic West, yeah, look, I'm enjoying him as Charles. I've got a feeling you weren't on board last No, time I'm on board it. now. I like oh, yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought he's done. He's been really good in this one. And it really stretched him, I thought, this one, didn't it? Yeah. He had to show some different emotions and his relationship with his sons. Yeah. Um, with Diana, uh, which was, which was really interesting. Dodie. What about Dodie's character? Well, I thought that was really interesting. In fact, I thought that was one of the most interesting. Abdullah. Yeah, I thought that was actually one of the most interesting things in it because he was made out to be a bit of a dag, I thought. I don't think he came across as confident at all. I thought he came, he was being portrayed as a daddy's boy uh, who was terrified to, you know, go out on his own. He wanted to, but, you know, he's, 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 he's constantly, uh, being bullied by his father in a way that I guess we've seen in those situations before where really rich men are kind of demanding that their sons behave a certain way. So you made to feel very sorry for him. He's been, he's given this task. He's basically told, if you want me to love you as a father, you need to make her fall in love with you. And it comes across as really harsh and unfeeling. And um, yeah, I thought that he played a really kind of, not too sure of himself, which is something that we've not seen before with him. I mean, we don't see very much about Dodie at all. No. He gets lost in the, you know, it was the the death of Diana. But I thought this was very interesting to portray him in that light as not a overly confident man. I mean, as we were discussing this, I'm sort of realising I actually enjoyed this more than I, I thought I might have, I think. Yeah. And how awkward was it, that proposal? Oh. <laughs> you really cringe. It was always behind the couch stuff, wasn't yeah. it? And, and he's got the ring and and Diana's going, oh, come on, as if, you know. What I did think was really clever, whether or not it's true or not, I thought it was really clever that he rang his, just before they get into the taxi, into the car where they're going to die, and, and they're sitting in the Ritz at the Paris, and he rings his father because uh, the father wants to know, are you engaged? And 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 he's he more or less gives in the pressure, yes, maybe, the night's gone very well. And then he hangs up the phone and he makes this speech to his father, we're not getting married, and I'm, you know, stands up for himself. And then he admits to Diana, oh, actually, I I faked that call. And she goes, yes, I know. You know, and now, I mean, that's trite in a way. But I thought that was really interesting to leave in the mind of the viewer that that was one of the reasons why Dodie was so, uh, why the father was so obsessed that they were about to get married, that he had this secret information, even though the information wasn't quite correct. And now I think that plays into the whole thing. We will never actually know what the true state of their relationship was when they died together that night. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So it was four, seasons, four episodes have dropped, six to come, only a couple of weeks away, I think um, mid-December. Um, yeah, 14th of December. Yeah. Now it'll be fascinating to see 
the content of those remaining six episodes, won't it? When we see the princess grown up, yeah, uh, we see will they have um, Charles being given the throne? Yeah, well, and when we see Meghan and Harry and all that, yeah, yeah, controversy. Yeah, there's some fascinating stuff there. Well, are we going to see some more of Imelda Staunton? She's <laughs> she's pretty invisible in these first four episodes. I don't really have anything negative to say about it because we barely saw oh, her. No, we did. It was up in Scotland. There was yeah. a bit of her. Yeah, no, <laughs> but it's it's real. That this one was really it about. It was Diana. heavy on Diana. Yes, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, I'm looking forward to that. So, so the Crown. Uh, it's on Netflix. This one is a little bit more problematic for me. Murder at the End of the World. Yeah. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. I mean, it's sort of a it's sort of a whodunit, and they're calling it a psychological thriller. Um, and it starts off in one place and quickly goes somewhere else. I guess it sets the scene. Um, it's about an Emma Corrin plays an amateur detective. Yeah. Um, who's trying to solve a murder at a sort of secluded retreat in Iceland, which is sort of what they're calling the end of the world, I guess. But it, before that, it starts off that she was the daughter of a coroner in a small um, sort of Midwest American town. Yeah. She helped the dad out, worked with him, got an interest in research and, and tracking. And you see her and her, I guess, boyfriend. Yeah. Someone she just met casually online, but they end up tracking down a, a serial, serial killer. Yeah, once again an- another serial killer, and it yeah. always makes my I eyes roll. I didn't know if that was ex- that wasn't explored fully, wasn't it? Which just sort of set the scene. Yeah. for what was to come. Yeah, well, it's dropping. It's putting a real mystery about what happens with this particular serial killer investigation. Mm. It's jumping all over the place. Yeah. So it's going lots of flashbacks all over the joint. Yeah. yeah. Um, but look, I've seen the two episodes. There's only two episodes up so far. Right. And then they're dropping a week at a time on Disney Plus. But I've got to say, I did enjoy it. I mean, Emma Corrin really carries yeah. uh, the show, I think. But, um, all the stuff at the, at the secluded retreat. Yeah. Which is in a resort where, um, in Iceland or something at the end of the world. That's yeah. Where, where the time Owen is a sort of, uh, Elon Musk type billionaire. Who's gathered in all these sort of great minds. Yeah. And then one of the people invited who happens to be her old boyfriend who's now a an artist of some I don't know what he was. That's all a bit yeah. That's a big jump in faith, isn't it? Yeah. Take all that on board. But he he or there there is a murder, right? There is a murder. And then there's also AI in this because this billionaire is developing a new AI. Yeah. So there's this kind of AI butler uh like an Alexa or yeah. a Siri or something, which is just there all the time. That's right. You can speak to it wherever you are. And ask him any question you want. Yeah. Oh, look, I don't know, James. It kind of annoyed me. I can't quite put my finger on why it annoyed me. Again, I often get this feeling sometimes when I'm watching TV shows that they've been written by an algorithm, that they've gone, what worked in this show? Let's take a bit of that. Like I was getting the vibe from Noises Off, you know, Glass Onion, that type of thing where a whole bunch of people are in a house and it's going to be a whodunit, like an Agatha Christie thing. So there's that going on. But then there's this backstory of the serial killer then there's this futuristic stuff with the ai it's it's a whole bunch of different things 
all sort of being thrown into this mix. And that's what annoys me. It's like, oh, what is it? Is it one thing or is it something else? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't get make get it to the second episode. I watched the first episode, stop, start, stop, start. And and, and I must admit, I, I haven't had the desire to go back and watch another episode. Did you watch um, the previous series from these creators, Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglich, I think his name is, Batmanglich, uh, called The OA? No, I never See, did. I don't know much about that at all. I never did because it's a bit sci-fi and I don't really yeah, race same. for sci-fi. And they're being sort of touted as some cult. There's a cult following for that show. Right. And therefore these two, and Britt Marling's actually in this as well. She plays the character of Lee Ansner, who I think is Clive Owen's girlfriend as well. Yeah, right. She's at the retreat. Yeah, there's some mystery about She's her. She's hanging around yeah. the murder scene as yeah, well. So yeah. You're not sure what's going on. But, yeah, it is um, it is a little bit um, confusing at times. And you're right, they do throw a lot of elements in there. Oh, there's a lot. but um, And I, I did, I did um, look up when I noticed that was Joan Chen as one of yeah, the... I was like, that, that's, that's Joan Chen. There's not much to do so far. No, not much. She said, but you know, she was very, uh, you know, I've really picked up my attention with her because Joan Chen, of course, was in Twin Peaks. So I all, every time I see her, I think, (laughs) wow, there she is. There she is. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to go back and watch any more of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm the same. I've got a feeling I won't. As I usually say, I'll say, I'd like to, but um, yeah. in reality, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of good shows around. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, I mean, I've got a few idle hours. I might remember, oh, that's right. Look, I might go back and try and persevere a bit more with this one. Yeah. Okay. Murder at the End of the World on Disney+. Plus. Now, we've got something else you've seen and I haven't. Could I ask you a question first? Yeah. If the series wants to get a bit of traction, do they cast John Hare? <laughs> do they go and stick him in? <laughs> we, we saw him crop up in Morning Wars. Yeah. Right? And a great role he played there. And, yeah. And it seemed to really spark some life into, into that, I think, what, the third season. Yeah. And here he is. What's he's cropped up in Fargo? He's back in Fargo. And I think, you know, I kind of lost the plot with Fargo a bit. Watched the first season, second series. Was it really there? And at some point around season three or four, it might have been the Ewan McGregor playing twin season. I kind of got halfway through it, never went back to it. And I feel like I've, I've, I've lost the plot a bit, but I think this is a really strong return for it. Um, it's set in 2019. The first two episodes which have just gone to air on SBS. You can watch it back on SBS On Demand. Really, really strong. And going right back to the original Fargo movie, um, it, I just thought it was fantastic. First of all, we've got Juno Temple in there, who oh, we love yeah. from yeah. Ted Lasso. Yes. And she is the female lead in this one. Um, and she Honestly, what her character does in this. I mean, she, at, at the beginning, when you see her, she's just a mother with her school kid at the, at the school. And then she just goes home and she's just sitting on the couch knitting, watching a morning TV show when all hell breaks loose. And then you suddenly go, what the hell is happening? So she's incredible in it. Then you've got John Hamm, who's mm. barely seen in the first episode. I think you just see him riding a horse. Okay. Then the, 
in episode two, the situation switches to him and uh, he's a sheriff. But also running through this is the thing that just blew my mind was the supporting cast. First of all, there was Dave Foley, who's one of the kids in the hall, wearing an eye patch, playing a kind of a lawyer to this rich family. But the thing that just made me lose my shit was Jennifer Jason Lee, isn't it, James? She's playing this rich mother-in-law who's speaking in this kind of Tallulah Bankhead (laughs) darling voice, this really awful, awful rich woman who sits in her office in her house or whatever. She sits at this huge table and behind her is this artwork and the artwork is just the word no. I mean, it says so much about her. And so, yeah, I just absolutely loved every single moment of this. I think it's a real return to form. And I think based on what I've seen so far, I think this is going to be one of the best seasons. And the other really interesting thing about it, although one of the characters says, no politics, we don't speak politics at the dinner table, it's very obvious who we're talking about in this. These people, (laughs) this is basically um, a, a TV series about Trump's supporters in the Midwest. I mean, just the fact that um, Jennifer Jason Lee makes her family pose for a Christmas card where they all have semi-automatic rifles. They're all <laughs> posed up to the thing and then they come in with the guns and someone says, what are you doing? She says, darling, it's a sign of strength and makes them pose with these semi-automatic rifles. I mean, it, it's saying so much under the surface with this mystery story going on. I think it's just fantastic. So you don't need to have watched Fargo previously nope. to get on board with it? Standalone, okay. but it's set in 2019. It yes. says a lot about America today. And also the the John Ham sheriff, he's got his, uh, his own thing going on, which I won't spoil here. But, yeah, okay. this is – Top-notch stuff back. Fargo is back, baby. Now, I'm writing down Jennifer Jason Lee into my notebook. I, I need to watch more of her work. Oh. Because, look, I, The Hateful Eight, right? Yes. She was in that. The Tarantino movie, yeah. yeah. Um, character was Daisy. I, I just can't forget. I think she was in a – somebody smacked her around. Oh, she got smacked around in that. It, it, honestly, it if she been – fighting in the snow. It's just that scene stays with me, though. She was a villainess. She was a coach or something yeah, she in was the a, snow. She was a bad and woman. And these blokes are oh. fist and they're punching each other in the head and I'm going, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, I was thinking if she doesn't, um, if, if they slap her one more time, like seriously, <laughs> stop it. Um, yeah, she's really up for it. Um, but, you know, well, I think back to when she first, like I remember her in Fast Times at Ridgemont High back uh-huh. in 1982 wow. when she played the schoolgirl in that and she sort of stood out. But the one that really sealed her for me, there was a movie in 1989 called Last Exit to Brooklyn and she played this kind of uh, this sex worker called Tralala and you just, it's just unforgettable what happens to her in that film. And I've just, I just always, always love it when I see her popping up in something. It just makes me so happy because I think she's a true artist and 
I love her work and, uh, yeah, I'm just so, 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 so happy to see her back in this. The last thing I remember really seeing her in was uh, Patrick Melrose, that miniseries with Benedict Cumberbatch. We didn't like a lot, did we? No, but I kind of – she was the mother, the kind of distant mother in that and, yeah. you know – She's. She, it's fantastic to see her in this. Well, she's, she's Twin Peaks alumni. Which she is Twin you. Peaks. It's an automatic like for you, yep, isn't it? Yep. Because of that. Yeah. Um, now I'm just looking. She look. There's a lot of sort of borderline projects here, which you might say. But when you think of her in them, you think, oh, I really want to see that. Yeah. Look, playing Lady Bird Johnson in the LBJ story. Yes. I mean, well, how much do I want to watch that now? <laughs> well, I, th- right. I remember what – in fact, I think I had that movie in my cinema. Woody Harrelson uh, played the president. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have had that. Yeah. I, d- I don't really remember her – in that because she's not Jennifer Jason Lee doesn't go I need to no, be the star of this exactly. she's always supporting yeah but she's always fantastic yeah no there's so many things here in this um CV that, that I, I'd love to get all over look that is Fargo now it's on SBS isn't it yes there's a couple of episodes out now as we yes. release this and then there'll be one a week. Like yeah, they're doing day apps in all. Yeah, they're do- we're running at the same time as the US. Um, so well done for SBS for fast tracking that because uh, yeah, I- I- I'll be hanging out every Wednesday night to watch this. Okay, okay. Now look, uh, time for me to do something you haven't seen yet. This one's called Signora Volpe. Yep, it's a sort of British um, sort of crime whodunit. But it's one of those, but there's a few of these, those British series where the, uh, protagonist is a, has a history as a spy or a detective, but they go over to Europe. Yep. There's been one set in France. There's been some in Germany. This one is Italy. Right. Which is one of the big attractions, I think, because it's just beautiful to look at. Right. Yeah. They're all in these drop dead goods in Umbria. The first episode set. I'm not sure if they move around a lot. But this first one is set. So um, Amelia Fox plays a British spy called uh, Sylvia Fox. Interesting, they've kept the same surname. Now, I think Fox in Italian might be Volpe. Right, okay. That's why they're calling the Signora Volpe. Okay. Is that a little play on the title there. Now, she goes to Italy for her niece's wedding and the groom goes missing. Now, why this is of interest to Sylvia is that she's actually a British spy working for MI6. Look, and that's set up at the start. It's all a little bit hokey, okay? Right. It's a little bit cheesy, but I you buy into it. I bought into it. Okay. Um, and so she gets involved in working out where this guy goes missing. And look, the plot line is a little bit out there, okay? That her lovely little niece, who's little Miss Innocent, seems to have got involved with a potential gangster without having any idea what was going on. So it's more about the women. Despite the title, this is actually a series with a with a female lead. Oh, senora. Oh, senora. senora. Right. Senora. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's all about the women. Uh, Tara Fitzgerald is Amelia Fox's uh, sister. Yep. Uh, and uh, Tara's daughter is the niece who gets married. Right. Now- I think uh, you don't get a feel for it beyond this, but I think the, without spoilers, I think she ends up 
staying in Italy, presumably, because she there's an interesting relationship develops between her and the um, handsome local cop. Oh, there's, there's got to be a handsome Kalinari, local cop. Yep. I think um, there, and and then there's some, but she uses her to help solve the mystery in this first episode. She's very much using the contacts back at MI6, like she's ringing up her assistant to help with car regos or background on some crime figure or something. So I don't think they won't be able to cut that off completely because she'll lose some of her investigative skills. So I think there'll be some play about, oh, look, she wants to stay in Italy, but she's also got a good career back at MI6. What? How will that play out? So that sort of interests me. Look, it's been around for a little while. It, it debuted in the UK on Acorn, Acorn TV in May 2022. Yep. And it's here on UK TV. So that tells you a couple of things. The local broadcast has been able to wait for nearly 18 months, right? And oh, look, it's a good show, but we don't need to get it on air straight away. And they've put it on UK TV. How many big dramas? Debut on UK TV. Anyway. Do you know what? Though? That's a two. Those are two signs <laughs> that they don't think that much of it. If they don't put it on BBC first, and they don't fast track it or screen it within a you know really close to UK release, it, it's something that they think. Oh yeah, whatever. That's just filler. We'll get to that eventually. Yeah. It is a real sign. Okay. Mate, it's probably not a sign to the average viewer out there in TV land. Well, I think uh, they'd be up on it because UK TV is usually on what Graham Norton. Yeah. And things like that, right? Yeah, UK TV is the UK soaps for me. You know, yeah. it's where you go to watch Emmerdale. Um, and if they have a, a drama like, you know, they had that Graham Norton drama set in Ireland holding, you know, and straight away I was like, oh, why isn't this premiering on BBC first? This can't be very good. Yeah. You know, that's the impression I get when I see shows premiering on UK TV. Now, Amelia Fox is interesting for me too. I mean, look, I've never been a viewer of Silent Witness. No. Maybe because it's there's been so many. Look, like, there's been a couple of hundred episodes. I yeah. Um, but uh, and and she's been in 183 of them. You know, so it's um it's some real output there, and she's been in other bits and pieces over the years. Um, but she she carries this off quite well. Uh, she was completely enjoyable. Uh, Tara Fitzgerald's great as the sister. There's a lot of Italian actors in there. I think it's probably a co-pro. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyable. And, again, it's not something I you need to sit down and watch it all through. But for me, it's a lovely – I call them a Saturday night watch. Early on a Saturday night, I'm not going anywhere. With the dinner on my lap. Let's let's get into this for an hour. I love it that the Italian supporting cast all have three names. You've got <laughs> Paolo Saverio Fantoni and Andrea Pidimanti Bodini. It's like, yeah, great. Melissa Anna Bartolini, Francesco Di Vito. Yeah, I want to watch it just for the Italian supporting cast now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's um that is uh Signora Volpi and it's on UK. TV. 
Now, something I want to point out yes. to you, being the former editor of Smash Uh-oh. Hits magazine. Uh-oh. What have I done there? Next week on uh, uh, SBS or SBS Viceland, whatever, look it up in your TV guide. Stock Aiken Waterman, Legends of Pop. Oh, it looks okay. like a two-part special interviewing all of them, you know, Pete Waterman um, and his partners and all the stars they broke, you know, uh, Sunita. Princess, Rick Astley, uh, Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan. And the first episode charts them sort of going from nothing. And then, of course, they sign Kylie Minogue. And then, of course, they go into a whole new league. And at the end of the first episode, as a teaser for part two, it's kind of like now we're making millions and millions of pounds. Uh, fascinating story uh hearing them and i think it plays in so well you know the fact that we've got two australian guys now doing one of my favorite podcasts you know a journey through stock aiken waterman that gavin uh scott and matthew denby are doing uh and i'm a few episodes behind on that so i've got to get back into that but yeah Obviously, I'm a huge Saw fan. You know, it's got, there's got to be a pretty bad song for me not to like it, you know, and, uh, all the work they did. Some of my favorite, favorite music of all time. In fact, I think I need to make my own Stock Aiken Waterman playlist, uh, on, uh, my. Well, there's a few around, I think. Uh, there'd have to be. I've, They'll you know. Be all over, um, Spotify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm on Apple Music. So I'm going to have to look for their essentials and see what they have. And then get in there and put a few of mine in because this, you know, I have actually discovered uh, a lot of music listening to that podcast because I was not living in Australia and I was living in Canada and they weren't kind of cracking the charts there. So I'm actually catching up on some music that I missed out on. Well, we'll, so we'll look at that. We might chat a bit more about it next week. Okay. I I can tell you my little brush with Pete Waterman. Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Last year. Where I sort of stalked him a little bit, but had, mm. had a nice little chat to him, but I'll set that scene. And uh, now before we do show of the week, I've just got one little viewing alert and I'm very excited about this one. I've been looking out for this. The series called Archie. Right. It's a drama about Cary Grant. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right. I've been reading about this. Yes. Now it's coming to Britbox, which I'm, I love oh. Britbox. And I think it's, I'm, look, I'm all about value for, paying for streaming services these days. Yeah. Britbox, I've always been, look, I've done it. I enjoy it. I pay for it. But it's one of those ones on the fringe for me, you know, like Apple TV Plus has fallen off for me, I think. They've whacked the price up. And yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm not paying, you know. I'm going to pick a month. I'll go in and watch. And yeah. And I'm out again. Yeah. It's too much. It's getting too expensive. Brit I'm Box, hanging in with BritBox. BritBox always worries me because BritBox and Acorn TV, it, it's kind of to me like, it's like you guys need to like combine your resources. Yeah. Like I don't think we can have two streamers that spe- specialize in British content. It's got to be. And it, to me, BritBox says it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. so at some point if BritBox swallows Acorn TV, I'm sorry, Acorn, but it's kind of confusing the market for me yeah um well acorn i haven't i haven't gone to acorn yet it's a little bit off the radar correct um but britbox is has is a jv i think between itv and bbc yeah so they get a lot of the good itv content yeah and this is one of them i think it goes out on itvx in the uk right maybe it's on for i don't know anyway but look carrie grant 
uh, Sue's called Archie. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay, I can't wait. Show of the week. Fargo, hands down. So I haven't seen that, so I can't really do that. I'm sorry for thinking this through out loud. Hmm. Crown. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, the crown's great. Even though you, you kind of roll your eyes sometimes, it is, you can't switch it off. No. You know, I, the, the day, the day it landed. In fact, Netflix were being very cheeky because in my head, I knew it wasn't coming out till last Thursday, but on the Wednesday, it came up as trending. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I've got my days wrong. <laughs> and I immediately started watching it. It was the last series. And it's like, stop being cheeky, Netflix. You're doing that deliberately, trying to make me watch season five again. But yeah, as soon as it was there, I just cancelled the plans for the evening and said, I'm watching this all. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Look, this has been TV Gold. You can read Andrew Mercado's weekly columns in Media Week called Mercado on TV. Um, Andrew, do you know where you're going this week? No, I haven't oh, thought at all you, about it. Down and down. You, thrive, oh, no. you thrive under a deadline. I do, I don't. Uh, yeah, you've yeah. also quickly written for The Guardian this week. Yeah, I wrote about Sylvania Waters after the death of uh, Paul Watson. Attracted a bit of media attention, that, yeah. that uh, obituary too. Yeah, because look, honestly, you say the word Sylvania Waters now and people immediately have an opinion on it. And, you know, it's been 30 years ago and, and I think we actually need to it, – it needs to be re-examined somewhat. Um, so, yeah, you can read that story in The Guardian. Okay. Thank you. This has been TV Gold. We'd love you to – like the podcast and tick the box that gives you automatic downloads whenever we do new episodes. We've got some crackers coming up, including a bit of a lengthy um, best of the year, oh, which yeah. people often like to set up their um, holiday viewing through the end of December and start of January so they can knock off some shows that they haven't got to yet. Yeah, and it's interesting when I think about the best shows of the year, you know, if you've got a good memory, I'm not going to tell you now, but at the start of the year I said, I think this is going to be my favourite series of the year, and I think it still is going to be. I have been making notes all year trying not to forget anything because there's nothing worse than we do it and then you read somebody else's list and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, no, I've got a detailed little book here. That, yeah, um, good. A lot of shows. There's been a lot of good stuff this year. So there really has. Getting well down. Thank you, Andrew. Look, we've been here in person this week. We were recording up in Newcastle. It's been great sitting along beside you. I got along. Andrew does a trivia night for anybody in the Newcastle. Hunter, look, I came up from Sydney. I enjoyed the trip. I've stayed overnight in uh, Newcastle. I love the city here. It's a great relaxed feel and enjoyed the trivia night. So well done. Yeah, thank you so much. It was fun. Okay, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good week.